President Bush says the Russian incursion into Georgia is unacceptable. How should the U.S. and the world respond? We'll ask national security expert Frank Gaffney. Plus, the Beijing Olympics are in full swing and China looks good on TV. We'll dig to see what's below the surface. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire. We will not falter. And we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. No matter what they do, no matter how much they bomb us, no matter how they want to cripple us and undermine us, we are not going to give up our freedom, and Georgia will never surrender. He's talking tough. That's Georgian President Mikhail Sashkashvili. He says he won't allow Russian leaders to interfere in Georgian affairs. We're all going to get a lesson in pronouncing these leaders' names because this is not going to stop here. Of course, he's ordered a halt uh, to uh, his troops, and the Russian, uh, the Russians say that they have actually ordered their troops to withdraw from uh, South Ossetia. And uh, the question is, though, have they w- really withdrawn? Some people are denying that and saying that the violence continues. Uh, John McCain basically has had a pretty strong stance on this. As a matter of fact, the New York Times says that the war puts the focus on McCain's hard line on Russia, other people saying that he was prescient. Uh, but here's President Bush, and he was uh, pretty clear saying that Russia's actions in Georgia are unacceptable. Russia's government must respect Georgia's territorial integrity and sovereignty. And here's John McCain. Uh, He made this statement in Pennsylvania today talking about this fighting between Russia and Georgia. Americans wishing to spend August vacationing with their families or watching the Olympics may wonder why their newspapers and television screens are filled with images of war in the small country of Georgia. Concerns about what occurs there might seem distant and unrelated to the many other interests America has around the world. And yet Russian aggression against Georgia is both a matter of urgent moral and strategic importance to the United States of America. We couldn't catch a break even for the Olympics. Uh, Of course, the world goes on. The conflict goes on. John McCain has a history of paying attention to this area of the world, and that is coming out in his statements. He uh, told this town hall in Pennsylvania about speaking with the president of Georgia. He knows that the thoughts and the prayers and support of the American people are with that brave little nation as they struggle today for their freedom and independence. 
and he wanted me to say thank you to you, to give you his heartfelt thanks for the support of the American people for this tiny little democracy far away from the United States of America. And I told him, And I told him that I know I speak for every American when I say to him, today, we are all Georgians. That's John McCain. Is that provocative or is that some common sense? There are huge national security implications to what has been taking place. Even uh, if uh, tensions die down and settle down, The West really needs to decide what it's going to do. It needs to draw a line in Georgia. The U.N. is acting. The European Union is acting. And, of course, the United States discussing what to do. We will talk about why and how this line needs to be drawn with Frank Gaffney. He is president of the Center for Security Policy. He will join us in the next segment. And uh, we've got a lot of questions to ask him. We'll also open the phones while he's with us in case you have any questions about this very important issue. Well, uh, also, China is in the news, and I've been watching the Olympics. It's a lot of fun. And, of course, you've got a glitzy front. You've got uh, some of their athletes doing very well. You've got the beautiful Olympic facilities. And I'm sure many of you saw the opening ceremonies, which were just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, But there are some sort of underlying truths to what is taking place in China. We'll talk about those in a few moments. moments. But uh, we're also going to ask the question, and you can begin calling in on this, uh, 800-881-9270. Do you think that President Bush has successfully walked the line between diplomacy and between telling the truth to power to Chinese leaders in China? He's made various speeches. He spoke out uh, in his interview with Bob Costas uh, on uh, television And do you think that the tone that he's taking is the correct tone? We'd love to hear from you, 800-881-9270. In his weekly radio address, President Bush said China has new responsibilities as a world power. We have made it clear that trusting their people with greater freedom is necessary for China to reach its full potential. We have emphasized that being a global economic leader carries with it the duty to act responsibly on matters from energy to the environment to development in Africa. And here's part of that interview that I mentioned with Bob Costas. I thought it was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, He told uh, NBC Sports his Olympic trip is important on two fronts, especially uh, supporting the American team, of course, but also under uh, scoring U.S. commitment to strong ties with China. This is a Mm -hmm. big, important nation. We'll have our differences, we'll have our agreements. But in order to find common ground and to move the world toward peace, it is important for this country to show respect for the people of the country. President Bush has certainly done that, but he also spoke from Bangkok uh, talking about religious freedom, uh, individual freedom for people. And he did go to church in China. He requested to go to one of the house churches. Uh, He only got permission to go to a registered church. Uh, But he did go, and he told a group in Beijing he's glad he got to do that. As you know, I feel very strongly about uh, religion, and I so appreciate the chance to go to church here Have you been watching President Bush, uh, the way he uh, conducted himself in China? Did you think it was good? Were you proud? 
800-881-9270. I told you that we talk a little bit about uh, the underbelly of what we're seeing in China. And uh, it's very interesting because uh, as I watched the uh, female gymnasts, the Chinese, I mean, they're just so awesome. And I think uh, their total medal count now for the Chinese is uh, is beyond anybody else. It looks like... Um, it looks like China's got 13 medals so far, at least as of this report, uh, with the United States having seven uh, gold medals. Or this is the overall medal count. It isn't separated out with gold or silver, but we can get more information on that later. That's not as important, though, as uh, I guess uh, does China get a pass for putting little girls out there? Uh, ostensibly, they're 16 or so. But uh, they really look very, very young. And uh, the New York Times, uh, there's an editorial there by Harvey Ariton. It's in the Sports of the Times section. And he says, as a father myself, I've never come across a seven-year-old not yet potty trained. That's a joke. But I do know one thing about adolescent girls. They often are fully grown faster than boys. Deng Lin Lin, the smallest of the Chinese gymnasts, is said to be 16. She's 4 feet 6 inches tall. She's 68 pounds. Uh, A lot of 16-year-olds are twice that weight. Um, On average, uh, these girls are 3 inches smaller and 30 pounds lighter than the Americans. And really, looking at the difference, it was like night and day. There are many little people in the world but some of them uh, do not look like teenagers. Are the Chinese underage or like other gymnasts from other countries through the years, strategically undernourished, which is sad? Um, We just don't know the answer to that. Maybe you have an opinion on that one, too, as we talk about the Olympics. But, you know, it doesn't seem like anybody's really asking that question. Uh, It's Maybe it doesn't matter how old they are. In one sense, uh, we will talk a, a little bit later about the way the Chinese get their athletes. It's a little different than the way we get our athletes. Uh, But, you know, just the fact that they're not telling the truth about it, and actually the required age is 16, and they're certainly not 16. I I absolutely could tell you that. Well, also, ladies and gentlemen, there's another little piece of uh, falsification that took place, and this has to do with the opening ceremonies. Uh, There was a darling little girl who sang uh, in the opening ceremony, and uh, she was wearing a red dress, and her name is Lin Miyoki. She's nine years old, and she's from a Beijing primary school. And uh, she sort of became a sensation. Uh, she even was interviewed after the ceremonies. Uh, but it seems today that the musical designer for uh, the opening ceremonies actually had to set the record straight. And uh, he gave an interview to Beijing Radio, and he said that she was not the real singer. Uh, As a matter of fact, another little girl who was only seven had uh, won a competition, and uh, this this writer calls it grueling. Uh, They had a competition to perform the Chinese national anthem. It was a patriotic song. It was called Hymn to the Motherland. I guess it's their national anthem. But at the last minute, uh, a member of the Chinese Politburo watching a rehearsal said, that this little girl uh, who was supposed to sing might have a perfect voice, but she was unsuited to the lead role because she had buck teeth. So what did they do? Uh, They they played a recording of this little girl, Yang Peiyi. Uh, They played her, but this adorable little girl, Lin Miyoki, Miyoki, 
uh, was the actual face on the television. And this sort of uh, belies or confirms the uh, inferiority complex that China has had to overcome with this Olympics. Of course, the buildings are absolutely beautiful. Uh, It seems that everything is completely well organized. But you've had uh, the murder of um, the family of a former Olympic athlete take place, a big embarrassment. Uh, You've had certain protests that have been embarrassing to the Chinese. And then, of course, you have these... uh, little news stories that uh, come to light. Also, there was a Chinese activist, a house church member who decided to go to the registered church because he wanted to see President Bush, and uh, he was actually detained on the way to church. But, you know, here are the things that Russia does, and uh, we just got to remember them as we look through uh, sort of a lens and watch these Olympics, which I am enjoying. Uh, They imprison those who practice a religion not recognized by the state. They repress minority groups including Tibetans and also the Falun Gong practitioners. That's another religious sect. They strictly enforce a one-child-per-family policy. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, This has involved coercing abortions and also forcing sterilizations. They have repatriated many North Korean refugees who have escaped the horrible situation in North Korea. They've repatriated them back to North Korea, back to the work camps. Uh, And they also have rendered political and military aid to rogue foreign governments like the Sudan and like Burma that repress their own people. And uh, we will discuss also how they get their athletes a little bit later in the program. But this is China's record on human rights. President Bush made some statements He spoke to the media on the record uh, about his opinion uh, of the necessity of people having human rights and freedom. Uh, Did he do enough? Well, he probably did for this uh, particular event, but there needs to be more done, and either Barack Obama or John McCain will need to do it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, next up, uh, we are going to continue to discuss the situation in Georgia and uh, between Russia and Georgia. And uh, has the violence actually stopped? Well, maybe. But there's a lot more at stake here. And Frank Gaffney will be with us to help us understand what the West needs to do in this situation. Stay with us for more of Jerry Johnson Live. got a full-time job and a family, and I'm also getting a master's degree at Criswell College. The new Mac at Night program offers evening block courses for a Master of Arts in Counseling degree. It's so convenient and fits my busy lifestyle as a mom and a professional. Mac at Night offers licensure and non-licensure programs so you can gain ministry knowledge and even prepare for a doctorate. Mac at Night professors are at the top of the Christian counseling field. And Criswell College is partnered with a number of ministries, so you'll get experience and great contacts. My friends and family are so excited to see me back in school with the Mac at Night program at Criswell College. A Master of Arts in Counseling has never been so convenient. Come on, join me for Mac at Night. For more details, call 800-899-0012 or visit criswell.edu. 
Invest in God's kingdom and in yourself through the Chriswell College. See us on the web at chriswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. I think the political motive is very clear. To demonstrate to the world they, they couldn't care less about world reaction. This is not about presidency of Georgia or something. This is about killing the freedom and independence of this country. That's what it's all about. Uh, the Georgian president, Sashkashvili, tell, telling a news conference that there is a clear strategy behind this Russian intervention in Georgia. We're going to talk uh, to Frank Gaffney about it in just a moment. The Georgia U.N. ambassador was asked by CBS The Early Show this morning if he believes, uh, because we're hearing that uh, Russia is saying the fighting is over, does he believe that? Not really, because uh, after that statement, the bombings of the Georgian territory were still continuing. For example, the Gori city was bombed, and there is a report that I received that even foreign journalist was killed. The Georgia UN ambassador was also asked if South Ossetia and uh, also the other uh, countries, independent countries uh, outside of Russia, uh, should be part of, uh, of Georgia. These are the parts of Georgian territory, but we are offering them the full autonomy, self-governance, with the full respect of international laws and the borders of Georgia. Of course, uh, I guess the first question is, have we sufficiently dispelled Russia's contention uh, that this invasion by Russia of Georgia was just a response to Georgian activity? We're going to ask Frank Gaffney that question. Frank Gaffney is president of the Center for Security Policy. He worked in the Reagan administration. He's also put together a great book called War Footing that's uh, a wonderful resource for people. Frank, thanks for joining me. It's great to be with you, Penna. All right. Uh, when Russia says that uh, this was really started by Georgia, do you buy that? I think in a technical sense, uh, Georgia provided a pretext for um, what I think is more accurately described uh, as the Soviets uh, now than the Russians uh, hmm. to move in force in a way that they can clearly planned to do and prepared to do for quite some time. Um, they had been essentially provoking uh, the uh, Georgians uh, in South Ossetia, and sadly, the uh, uh, the government there uh, in Tbilisi responded, and uh, the trap sprung closed, and uh, to the great detriment not just of Georgia and the people there, um, but I think to all of those who were formerly enslaved by the Soviet Union, who are on notice that the bear is back and uh, that more trouble is in the making. Do you think there was anything to the timing other than uh, the activities of Georgia? I mean, uh, Putin was at the Olympics, and it just seems like sort of a quiet time in the world, in a sense, people were focusing on other than political and national security issues. Well, it's not the first time that totalitarian thugs have engaged in mischief in August, a quiet time when everybody's uh, thoughts are elsewhere, whether it's the Olympics or whether it's just, you know, vacation time. The beach. Uh, you know, Saddam Hussein, as I recall, moved into um, Kuwait during what was thought to be a quiet August period, and others have done so as well. This is, this is unfortunately, um, I think, further evidence of uh, the 
plot uh, that was behind this. Uh, it wasn't an accident. It wasn't uh, something that uh, caught the Russians flat-footed. Um, their military is generally regarded to be in poor repair. The units that were sent into Georgia, uh, not just into South Ossetia, not just into Abkhazia, but into Georgia proper, uh, and that struck at targets deep into um, Georgia, for that matter, were clearly um, well-oiled uh, machines. They were prepared for this kind of uh, activity and executed it with considerable violence. So uh, this was not, again, something that uh, uh, the, the Russians were surprised and found themselves having to respond to, which is uh, what the propagandists in Moscow, uh, very much like the Soviet propagandists of old, would have you believe. Okay, it's been... Uh Many years since the fall of the Soviet Union, Russia was a poor country. Now Russia, because of energy, uh, is a rich country. And uh, so that is the reason, isn't it, uh, Frank, that maybe Putin, even though he's no longer president, certainly uh, retaining a powerful, probably decision-making position, is sort of flexing his muscle, isn't he? Well, he's unquestionably flexing his muscle, uh, Pena. This is an old KGB man um, who came to power through uh, a lot of uh, interesting backroom deals uh, with the Yeltsin government and with the former Soviet apparatchiks who became the power brokers um, during the early post-Soviet days. Um, He is still very much a player, uh, I think, calling the shots. Um, This President Medvedev, who was... uh, his chosen successor, uh, I, I think, is mostly his puppet, if not entirely. And I think it's uh, it's absolutely clear that uh, Vladimir Putin intends to translate the oil wealth um, that has flowed to Russia um, as a result of its uh, oil and gas um, exports uh, into uh, a renewed um, imperial Russia, uh, a Russia that is able to throw its weight around with impunity um, and to blackmail those who uh, who might not like what it's doing, including our, our friends in Europe who are now, uh, you know, preposterously, recklessly uh, dependent upon um, supplies of energy from uh, the former Soviet Union. So this is what I'm afraid we're going to see more of in the future, uh, and not just in the so-called near abroad, uh, the literals of the old Soviet, uh, of, of Russia in the old Soviet Union. My guest is Frank Gaffney. He's president of the Center for Security Policy. Uh, Frank, uh, speaking of Europe, of course the EU has gotten together and announced a six-point plan. Uh, And uh, Sarkozy says, and he's the president right now of the EU, we have not achieved peace yet. (laughs) I think that's uh, presumptuous that uh, they would have such influence. But, you know, part of this, going back, is Georgia wanted to be uh, in NATO. Should they be? I think they should be. Uh, Had they been in, my guess is that this wouldn't have happened. And the fact that Germany, which is of all of the Western European countries, the one that is most... um, under the Russians' thumb uh, is, well, certainly has been opposed to Georgia's entry into uh, NATO and may still be, um, is the reason why uh, the Georgians were left to the tender mercies of the uh, Russians. Now, as a practical matter, um, even if it had been in NATO, it's not entirely clear that uh, this kind of aggression by Russia could have been stopped. But I think the stakes 
for the Russians would have been far higher. And the weakness, uh, I've talked to an old friend of mine, Gary Kasparov, who knows a thing or two about mm-hmm. strategy and, and uh, how to play um, your, uh, your hand to advantage. Um, he points out, and I, and I think quite uh, correctly, that our weakness, our lack of resolve, our uh, fecklessness, and I mean not just that of the United States, but that of uh, the West more generally, um, in dealing with Russia to this point, um, actually made this sad day possible in Georgia. And, uh, and I'm afraid, again, unless the perception is corrected, will probably result in more of this kind of uh, tragedy in the future. Now, some people have said uh, that the United Nations may provide some, at least, steps toward a solution. Here is uh, the U.N. ambassador, the Georgia U.N. ambassador, on the CBS Early Show talking about that. It is so important to have the very strong international guarantees of the ceasefire. Mm-hmm. And we hope the, the initiative that was coming from the French president, supported by the U.S. and other Western allies, will materialize. Frank, uh, if there were a U.N. resolution that was very, very strong, it would probably be vetoed by Russia. Uh, But would that be an embarrassment to them in any way? Well, they would veto it if it had any teeth to it at all. Um, The the mere fact that uh, the U.N. would be uh, trying to tell Russia what to do, I'm I'm sure, is producing uh, uh, hilarious laughter in uh, in the halls of the Kremlin. Um, they know that uh, the UN can't do anything. Um, and if they do decide to pull back, or if they do decide to accept a ceasefire, it won't be because of um, the UN's uh, slapping of the wrist. It will be because they've decided that they've got what they wanted, um, which was a crushing blow to Georgia. Um, an increased influence in that part of the world, and a message sent uh, beyond, far beyond, um, that uh, Russia will not be trifled with. And that's what really worries me, um, Penn, is, it's, is it, um, it's not simply that uh, you will see a consolidation of the position on the ground by the Russians. Uh, their so-called peacekeepers, of course, are, are just ground forces. They're, they're occupation forces. They're not uh, uh, the kind of thing we associate with the blue helmeted uh, mm-hmm. UN types. And you're going to see that, um, that kind of uh, power, I'm sure, continue to erode um, democracy in Georgia. And it will also almost certainly translate into future crises in places like Crimea in the Ukraine, where the Russians are playing exactly the same game, and in Moldova and in other parts of the, uh, uh, their neighborhood. That, it sounds uh, like they're they, trying they, they to pull together the old Soviet Union. Well, unfortunately, it does seem like that. The difference, of course, is, as you noted, that uh, they're less hidebound by a ridiculous ideology um, and better resourced than the Russians, uh, than the, excuse me, the Soviets ever were in their day. And, and the combination of, um, of more resources, um, a, uh, a very pragmatic but uh, quite aggressive ideology, uh, and a leader like Vladimir Putin um, does not augur well for the peace of the world. Frank, uh, we've got so much more to ask you. Can you stick with us over the break? Sure. Frank Gaffney, president of Center for Security Policy, is with us. So we're trying to understand uh, what the implications are of what's happening in Georgia. And really, what about our presidential campaign? John McCain and Barack Obama have both uh, both spoken out on this. We'll discuss it right after this.
listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Russia has invaded a sovereign neighboring state and threatens a democratic government elected by its people. Such an action is unacceptable in the 21st century. President Bush's statement, uh, John McCain also made a statement, and as I said, he has been somewhat prescient about this. Uh, He's always said that Russia should uh, not be in the group of eight nations, that they should be kicked out. And he's been watching these activities there in Georgia. He says Russia has overstepped its stated goals in that country. The Russian government stated it was acting only to protect accessions. And yet on Saturday, its bombing campaign encompassed the whole of Georgia. Hundreds of innocent civilians have been wounded and killed. Our presidential uh, candidates, Frank Gaffney, are weighing into this. Uh, We've had a different statement from Barack Obama, which we'll play in a moment. Uh, But does John McCain sort of benefit from this? Uh, It's it's sort of like an October surprise, in a sense. Well, it isn't October yet. No. (laughs) So we stand by for what I suspect are going to be more surprises between now and then, unfortunately. What... I have a column in the Washington Times today that makes this point. I I think this episode underscores um, a reality, and that is that um, national security is going to be job one for whomever is our 44th president. Um, I happen to believe that most Americans, um, if they internalize that, are going to conclude that they would rather have John McCain as that commander-in-chief rather than Barack Obama. But we'll see. Um, At the very least, I think this underscores that um, the next presidency is going to be very much engaged in turbulent developments around the world, some of which may threaten us quite directly, some of which are simply, um, as in this instance, uh, a very ominous indication of what's to come for our interests and those of other freedom-loving people. The number is 800-881-9270. I only have Frank Gaffney for a few more minutes. But I'd love to have you call in, ladies and gentlemen, and tell me uh, if this does anything with regard to your thoughts about presidential candidates. Uh, Who do you see as handling something like this better, Obama or McCain? But I have a couple of key questions I want to ask you, and I don't want to forget (laughs) with these, Frank. Uh, One is the role of Iran here. I mean, we've got Iran with uh, a burgeoning nuclear capability. You have Russia now uh, as a threat, uh, certainly armed to the teeth. And so this is a different world, isn't it? It will become more and more of a different world, indeed. Um, Russia is, uh, to paraphrase Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who once talked about America being the democracy, the arsenal of democracy, um, Putin's Russia is the arsenal of tyranny and despotism and, uh, and authoritarian governments the world over. Uh, you mentioned Iran. Iran has received a nuclear reactor. Uh, which could well be part of a nuclear weapons complex. Um, There are other pieces of it we know about, but uh, the Bashir reactor is almost certainly part of it. Putin's Russia is providing surface-to-air missiles to Iran to protect its nuclear weapons facilities uh, in the event we or the Israelis are compelled to try to take them down. Um, Putin's Russia is arming China uh, to the teeth, as you put it. Um, Putin's Russia is arming 
Hugo Chavez in our own hemisphere and uh, threatening to put bombers and other uh, military equipment in Cuba again. Um, Putin's Russia is engaged in uh, military activities that are very reminiscent to the bad old days of the Cold War in which they're, uh, they're overflowing, flying our, our carrier battle groups and uh, threatening uh, penetrations of our airspace. I mean, this is the sort of thing that I think John McCain was absolutely right about when he, as you said, long ago called for um, Putin's Russia to be expelled from the group of in- leading industrial nations, uh, a group that is supposed to be about democratic states that are prosperous and that are basically pulling on the same oar in the direction of expanding and protecting freedom around the world. Putin's Russia does not fit into that company and should not be in it any longer. What about uh, the plan to have a, an anti-ballistic missile system in Eastern Europe? Russia has been upset about that. Uh, does this play into the way they're acting now? Yeah, I think that, uh, as, as you know, Penna, I, I had the privilege of working for President Reagan back during mm-hmm. uh, the last great struggle uh, with the old Soviet Union, um, in particular the period during which he deployed long-range what were known as intermediate-range nuclear weapons in Europe. The Russians went to the mat to try to prevent that. In the end, they failed. Ronald Reagan's leadership prevailed. Um, Those missiles were deployed and forced the Russians to end the threat that they, at that time, posed with their SS-20s. We're seeing, I think, uh, Vladimir Putin pushing for a redo. He's trying very hard to have another such test of wills in Europe, this time Eastern Europe, this time involving defensive missiles, uh, anti-missile missiles, not offensive weapons. Um, But he wants to defeat the United States. He wants to break apart the NATO alliance. He wishes, if he can, to dissuade all of the countries that formerly were enslaved by the Soviet Union uh, from thinking that they have the latitude, the freedom uh, the opportunities that they uh, once dreamed of. And that's what makes what's going on in Georgia just one piece of mm-hmm. such a much bigger and, and more ominous picture. One of, our, uh, one of our listeners wrote a question, and this is a good one. Why is Germany so cowed by the Russians? I mean, they're the ones that blocked uh, Georgia joining NATO and some of these other countries. And could this, I mean, there's already been an EU response. Could Europe be reinvigorated by this type of a conflict? It could be, but it goes back to what I said a moment ago, and that is Europe has put itself in a position where it is critically dependent upon energy from Russia. And Russia has demonstrated again and again and again vis-a-vis the Baltics, vis-a-vis Ukraine, vis-a-vis even its ally Belarus, and through them to Eastern and Western Europe, that it is perfectly prepared to use energy as a weapon um, to coerce, to blackmail, um, and otherwise to extort people to behave the way they want. That does not augur well for Europe standing up for its uh, its interests, let alone those of others uh, beyond Europe. One quick, I mean, this is going to be too long of an answer, but just give me your, because I know you have to go, give me your top uh, action step for the U.S. right now. Well, I think we need a comprehensive approach. Uh, I think we need to be seen clearly by everybody as standing 
with the people of Georgia. Um, I would personally be inclined to help them by demonstrating uh, military support for them um, in their hour of need, uh, not to go up against the Russians, but if there is a ceasefire, to help establish um, their security posture. Mm-hmm. But we clearly want to signal to the American people um, and to the markets that uh, holding uh, as investments uh, state-owned enterprises of Russia is not a good idea. Having them in the G8 is not a good idea. Treating them as though they are um, a legitimate power in NATO councils, among other places, uh, is not a good idea. There ought to be real costs to the Russians for this kind of behavior, because if there are not, you can be sure we will see much more of it. Frank Gaffney, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate uh, your being with us and helping us with some of these questions. My pleasure. Thank you. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, here's Barack Obama. Of course, conveniently, he was in on vacation. And in a sense, I think it makes him look bad uh, that he just happened to be sort of out of the media's eye at this time. And uh, McCain sort of got a, a break here. But uh, his response is sort of the same answer that some of the other world planners have had, the U.N. The United States, Europe, and all other concerned countries must stand united condemning this aggression Again, saying that the United Nations has got to take action against this invasion. It's a clear violation of the sovereignty and internationally recognized borders of Georgia. The U.N. must stand up for the sovereignty of its members and for peace. And uh, the United States' response is probably more important than that. According to Frank Gaffney, uh, we need to have a strong response and really give some aid and help to George at this time. David and Kaufman is calling in with his comments. David, thanks for calling. Hey, first I'd like to say that I agree with everything in the last 35, 45 seconds Mr. Gaffney said. Uh, number two, uh, maybe it's unfortunate that we helped Russia during World War II when they came to our aid and we helped them out so much. Number three, yes, the next president is going to be military challenge. Keep Mr. McCain in mind. And number four, uh, this goes back to William Federer and the uh, original 13 colonies. Remember, we came from England fighting religious freedom. We did have a Georgia here, and we still mm, do. Interesting. I hope we okay, still David. have a Georgia over there. Thank you so much. We appreciate uh, your call. I'm not so sure I agree with that last assessment, but uh, let's uh, let's go now to the Secretary of State because she's making a strong statement. Uh, some people are wondering uh, why she hadn't been paying attention in the run-up to this. She's a Russia expert, uh, but here's Condoleezza Rice. It is very important now that all parties uh, ceasefire. The Georgians have agreed to a ceasefire. The Russians need to uh, stop their military operations, as they have apparently said that they will. But those military operations really do now need to stop. She's making also uh, one of the same points that Frank Gaffney made, really saying that the U.S. has got to let Georgia know we've got their back. I want to make very clear that the United States stands for the territorial integrity of Georgia, for the sovereignty of Georgia, that we support its democratically elected government and its people. Well, next up, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go back to China uh, for a few minutes and talk about those athletes and uh, where they come from. We'll tell the story of one of them. Stay with us.
Criswell College is proud to present the new Mac at Night program. It's a Master of Arts in Counseling degree obtained by attending evening block classes. There are licensure and non-licensure options depending on your career goals. Mac at Night features some of the best professors in the field of Christian counseling, and all courses are biblically based. Expand your ministry or prepare for a doctorate. Criswell College makes it simple and convenient. All Mac at Night courses are scheduled with the working professional in mind. If you've got a full-time job, a busy lifestyle, or even raising a family, you're perfect for Mac at Night. Get your Master of Arts in Counseling at Criswell College with Mac at Night. Call 800-899-0012 or go to criswell.edu. That's 800-899-0012 or criswell.edu. Invest in God's work and yourself through this convenient program through the Criswell College. It's Mac at Night. See criswell.edu. That's criswell.edu. Listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. If you're a religious person, uh, you understand that once religion takes hold in a society, it can't be stopped. Uh, secondly, I think it, the Olympics are going to serve as a chance for people to come and see China the way it is and let the Chinese see the world uh, and, and interface and, and uh, have you know, the opportunity to converse with people from around the world. And this is, this is very uh, positive development, in my view, for, for peace. And President Bush is part of that by going to the Olympics, but also speaking about various freedoms, including religious freedom. It was a clear statement about religious freedom. China is worried about uh, religion, and uh, he says that no country should fear the influence of religious freedom. Of course, then uh, switching from leader to Olympics fan, Fox News reports that Bush uh, watched as Michael Phelps won the gold in the 400-meter individual medal. It's fun to watch that young man and all of our athletes. Uh, I've enjoyed watching them. But, uh, you know, as we watch the Olympics, uh, it's sort of uh, fun to look at the stories of the various athletes. And uh, this particular athlete has been highlighted by the Wall Street Journal for a couple of different articles. And uh, she's Chinese weightlifter Chen Yong King. Eighteen years ago, her family received an offer that they could not refuse. And the offer was release their 11-year-old daughter to the state, uh, let her go away to sports school. And then if she excelled, uh, she would receive free tuition in China's system of elite athletic schools. And she would also get government subsidies for life. If she didn't excel, uh, she could at least end up with a job of a, uh, as a teacher. And this would be her ticket out uh, of the poor farming village that she lived in and really a better future for her and also possible financial benefits for the whole family. Of course, the training that these athletes go through is absolutely grueling. And uh, the Chinese do recruit their athletes from the poor countryside for the most part. Mr. Chen, who's the father of Chen Yong King, remarked, a rich person would never let his child do this, but they made the decision to go ahead and uh, let their daughter go at age 11. Little Miss Chen had wonderful muscles. She was very fast. But her running career never got off the ground because a decision was made right about the time she was starting uh, to add women's weightlifting to the 2000 Olympics. So China searched its talent base, and uh, they landed on Chen Yong King, and she excelled. She got her first Olympic gold medal in Athens in 2004, and uh, then she got another gold medal yesterday, and the weight that she lifts is unbelievable. She is one component of the Chinese hopes for winning the medal count in Beijing. They're doing very well along the way for doing that. 
Uh, now, Yang King began sending money home at age 15, so it did begin to benefit her family. But her parents fight the regrets. And uh, you see a lot of their statements in uh, the stories that have been written in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, long absences from her parents. And, of course, her hands became extremely callous, which happens to weightlifters. Uh, she Her education was shortchanged. They're supposed to get an education, uh, but this is relegated to early mornings, and a lot more time is given, of course, to the training that these athletes get. And then the, uh, the other repercussion that her mother regrets is no husband. At uh, 29 now, uh, she remains single. She is amazingly lean for her strength. Uh, she looks great. Uh, but she says that there is a stigma surrounding weightlifters, and her mother uh, is very upset about this. She refuses to watch her competitions. She says that seeing Yang King lift so much weight, and I'm quoting the mom, I feel pain in my heart. She also says, my biggest wish is that she can marry. And so we watch as a state uh, basically owns a young athlete, and this is just one story. But perhaps Mrs. Chen uh, doesn't really need to worry so much about the husband thing for her daughter, Chen Yang King, because there are lots of extra young men in China right now. In fact, uh, it's been 30 years that China has carried out uh, its iron-fisted one-child-per-family policy. Uh, Plus, when you add to that, uh, the Chinese prefer boys to carry on the family line and also to provide for the parents. It's sort of their social security. There's no type of safety net there. Uh, And uh, put those together, and right now uh, you have the largest imbalance, gender imbalance in the world. There are 37 million more men than women in China. Uh, Now, early on in this policy, there was uh, a rise in female infant mortality, um, read, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, infanticide of young girls. But that has sort of changed now, uh, still some of that, but a big increase in sex-selective abortions uh, because they can see now what sex the child is, and uh, some families will just choose to abort, abort the girl since they need to have a boy to take care of them in their old age. But there are 20% more newborn boys than girls right now nation, uh, nationwide in China. This is a recipe for some real social problems in the country. Uh, For instance, uh, as the first wave of population-controlled kids hit adolescence, uh, China's youth crime rate more than doubled. All that testosterone hanging around uh, the cities in China. They have these clubs. Young militiamen join them. They stage uh, what's called war games or urban battles. And it's just a way for them to occupy themselves. Uh, There's uh, an illegal gun trade that goes on that supplies this. And also, at some of the countryside bars, uh, customers actually pay to assault the waiters, or they make them dress in drag. It's just not a healthy situation. Uh, There's a rise of matchmaking services as a business in China, and uh, those services place surplus men right now with younger women. They're able to kind of handle the surplus uh, if the young men have jobs and educations. Uh, but one lady that uh, runs one of these services said that there is a looming crisis. Uh, she says she's not going to be able to place uh, some of them. In fact, the quote is, if they're ugly and can't find work, there's nothing I can do. So that's a pretty sad case for the ugly men running around China. Now, things could change in China because the government is seeing that there is a problem. In fact, there's a new family planning slogan, boys and girls are both 
treasures. So it's sending a signal that uh, some of the girls need to be allowed to live. And uh, in a sense, in, in the case of this young weightlifter, she is taking care of her family. But uh, that is not always the case in China. Now, when you uh, watch these Olympics and enjoy the competition, and of course there's so much pride in how the American athletes conduct themselves, uh, and the Chinese are certainly impressive. So watch this and see China, of course, in all its glory. But remember when you're watching that for the most part, central planning and poverty actually produced those athletes Keep in mind that the evil underbelly of this developing China is a starkly utilitarian view of life. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for joining us today. I want to mention uh, tomorrow, sort of a program note here. (laughs) It's going to be a lot of fun, actually, because, uh, you know, the question we're going to answer is, do your children have to call the shots in your home? As a matter of fact, if you've allowed this to take place in your home, you're probably experiencing some problems. Uh, and you can turn this around. As a matter of fact, uh, Dr. Kevin Lehman is going to join us. He is also the birth order doctor, but he's got a book out called Have a New Kid by Friday, How to Change Your Child's Attitude, Behavior, and Character in Five Days. We'll talk to him tomorrow. Join us then. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.